Welcome to episode 11 of the Strength for All podcast. In today's episode, I talk to Vincenzo Bono. I call him Vinny throughout the podcast because we have been friends for a very long time. Vinny is a brain cancer survivor, and he's also hearing impaired. He also suffers from type 2 adult onset diabetes. Today I talk to Vinny about how he's managed these things throughout his life and what role fitness has played. I'm really happy to be the one to give Vinny the platform to tell his story. I always thought Vinny had a really interesting story, so I hope you really like this podcast. Like I, I, I talk and you and you and you make like commentary on top of it. Yeah, I'll make commentary while you're talking. It'll be like it'll be like WWE play by play, like Bob God finished <laughs> talking about his brain cancer. <laughs> <laughs> so actually I just want I like doing this like free form. Whenever I do these podcasts, I'm like it's very open in terms of our structure. I want people to get to know Vinny throughout this podcast. I want them to get to know the real Vinny, like who you are. Give us a quick overview of the Vinny, the Vinny Bono experience. Well, John, um, I'm a brain tumor survivor. Um, I had, it began in uh, 1997. I was only seven years old. So, um, I'm, uh, over 20 years cancer-free right now, um, and uh, that was that was a bumpy road. That most mostly lasted most of my childhood. Um, so what did that like entail? Like when you started out and you you had you got the diagnosis, you were really young, so you probably didn't really know what was going on entirely, right? Or did you? Um, actually, from from my age. It, uh, um, it was very surprising. Like, it was kind of like I grew up quicker because I I was aware of what was going on around me, and that kind of opened my mind to more things at a younger such at such a younger age. Uh, a lot of a lot of people uh, at such a young age, like seven or, or um, before ten, they experienced that. I've I've witnessed. I've had um all. I lived at the Ronald McDonald house when I was over there, so I could stay next, so I could stay near in uh, Philadelphia next to the hospital. And um, there were all types of patients there. There was leukemia. Um, oh yeah, I had a best friend. He um, he had an accident from, uh, he, I guess the anesthesia, the anesthesia put him in a coma. And uh, so, you know, he had to rehabilitate um so i'm i witnessed a lot of cases there was a few deaths and um you know it's just stuff that normally no, like people at that age don't witness and you know kind of like i i feel like it kind of pushed me to like, grow up a little faster or basically much mature you know because i was still a kid but you know yeah I, I, that sounds like when I was seven years old, I try and think about like what I was, and I can't even think, I think I was like, some of the memories that I remember are like swimming in my pool in the backyard and like fighting with my brother, not like having to deal with stuff like what you're talking about. So for a seven year old, it's, it's definitely like, it's, it's life shaping. Yeah. What did you, where'd you kind of go from there? You, you said you lived down in Philadelphia, actually at the Ronald McDonald house for, for how long did that last? Uh, 
a little over a year, a little over a year. After that, I was I was released. Um, you know, I didn't have to go to the hospital every day, and um, so it was uh, uh, basically. So I was over there basically because of uh, the every day I had radiation therapy and chemo, and um, so like so you had that, that, that you lasted. had that you had that every single day for a year. Um, no, I was, it was, it was more like a schedule. Yeah. Um, I'm not exact, but it was, it was like radiation, I think was like two times a week and then chemo was three. So, but, but, um, besides that, besides just the chemo and the radiation, I was also going through uh physical therapy that I did like every day plus the occupational. So, so what type of stuff did they have you do for the physical therapy? And then what's the difference between physical and occupational therapy? Well, let me just, let me describe first then like what the difference I, uh, physical therapy is, um, physical therapy is your motor skills. Like, well, the reason I went was because of my balance. My balance was all off. So I had to learn how to walk again. So for people, so I guess, you could say like physical therapy is more for your like, well, yeah, I mean, it is for like your legs because people, people will need to learn how to walk again. Um, or, or like, um, occupational, I guess is more hands-on because I never worked with my legs in occupational. So, so like, I, I would just, I would try to like, because, um, well, I was there because my right side, um, my, so the tumor was on my left, right? So, and the brain, the opposite side of the brain controls the opposite side of your body, right? So, okay, so my right side was affected. And so basically when my right side wasn't as steady as my left. Right. And um, so basically we were just, yeah, so I would say occupation is more motor skills. Okay, so the, phys skills. the physical therapy is more like what you would look at, like, you know, a post-accident victim who needs to, like, learn how to walk again would go through physical therapy. Or, like, someone, yes. who broke, someone who's recovering from a broken leg would go through physical therapy. But, like, occupational therapy is more like learning fine motor skills, right, and stuff like that. Correct, correct. So what type – do you remember anything, like, did they give you, like, specific exercises for the physical therapy or, or anything like that? Okay, so uh, the only thing I do remember was, like, I was so bad, like, well, I was yeah, I was so bad, like, because I had, it was basically, like, it was basically, like, a baby fucking learning how to walk again, because that that's how bad I was, like, when, when they, when, like, uh, when they took that tumor out, and I went out of therapy, like, I, I, I couldn't even, I couldn't even fucking, I couldn't even stand, um, so, like, I remember that I remember I used to have a belt because like when I did stand, I wasn't balanced. So sometimes people would have to hold on to me. So one thing I would do specifically in physical therapy was um, I would stand on the balance beam and I would try to learn how to walk and hold myself up. Wasn't that in like a, uh, Avenger or no, it was a Captain America Civil War, right? After Rhodey got like injured and he was like, wasn't he like walking, holding on to the bar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. It was exactly yeah. like that, right? Yep. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So after you got done with, you had like a year of the chemo physical, like chemo three times a week, uh, radiation twice a week. 
physical therapy, however many times a week you had that, and occupational therapy. And then after one year, what what was their determination of like, okay, you're ready to go now, or or what was the improvement that you saw? Uh, it was basically well, the re the radiation therapy was uh is heavy, so that was that was like only one year top. Um, and I had like. I guess it was want to call it like full blown radiation. Like, uh, you know, I had, I had a lethal dosage, but like they, they wanted to make sure the tumor was, you know, well, gone. Well, obviously not, back. obviously not lethal to you because you're, you're still alive right now. Right. Yes, 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 yes. But like enough to kill the tumor. Yeah. So it was pretty powerful is what you're getting at. Yeah. Once. Well, and I also didn't need the physical there, physical therapy anymore. Cause like I was, you know, I started walking. I was, I could, I guess you could say I was like, um, physically stable. Right. And, um, and it was also because, you know, I had MRIs down there. They were always checking, like, you know, making sure the tumor wasn't, um, doing anything or, or like growing back or anything like that. So like once they determined that, the, that, 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 that the tumor was like, totally gone and nothing's coming back that's when i was able to come back and then so when i came back though i i transferred over to because uh i just went to like st luke's over here to get the chemotherapy every like once a week or something because right. like i guess the chemotherapy need like it needs is like it's still i still needed some but it was like less than what I got over there. Right. So, and how long did that last for? I'd say like another, maybe like two, I think two years, because I remember um, like one of the side effects of chemo is you, you, you throw up. Um, it just, it just makes you nauseous. And um, I eventually, um, when I was home, I went back to the, I went back to the hospital and I got feeding tube. Yeah, I had that for a while. I know I had that for a while. Why Why did they give you that? They should have gave it to me from the start because I remember when, uh, when I was over there, I wasn't. I was really like I was like almost anorexic. Um. So but were, it started. It started shortly after I came home. So you were having trouble kind of like keeping food down and getting adequate yes. food. And that's yes. why they gave you that. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And I was like, male, I was considered malnutrition. Is that the correct term? Uh, I'm not under, sure. Under, under nutrition. Yeah. Yeah. Or underweight, probably clinically underweight as well. Yeah. So I remember my mom had cancer in about, uh, I think the year two, it was either 99 or 2000. And she went through the whole thing as well, chemo, radiation, and then going through the chemo for quite a while afterward where she had to go, like you said, once a week or whatever. And uh, she, when, when she was doing it, this is actually a story that I have told a lot of times. One of the things the doctor told her to do was the doctor told her to exercise to maintain her strength while she was going through the chemotherapy. And that is that's actually how I got into working out is I actually started exercising with her while she was doing those workouts. Did you ever get any kind of directive like this from from your doctor to exercise or anything physical activity related? No, sadly, no, sadly, no. I mean, I guess because I was such a young age, so they never really worried about it. It hasn't always been recommended. Like people haven't really understood the 
the medical and clinical effectiveness of exercise until actually fairly recently. So I know you were like a few years before my mom with your experience. So it's possible that like, you know, it, I think when, when they told her to do that, I think it was like a fairly new idea of like saying like, hey, you should exercise while you're doing chemo because maybe they didn't even know that at that point that it's, it was actually good, right? Yeah, because a lot of times I guess I, I, would, I would say back in like between, you know, the 97 and the early 2000s, um, chemo was – still fairly new like yeah. I, I would say so um so and a lot of time i um because when you when you take chemo you end up weak you're weak um and i think maybe people then think that because they they go oh chemo is just going to make you weak you're not going to be able to exercise but i guess like you said it's an, it was it became a new idea yeah, they so they probably didn't. If it was fairly new, there probably wasn't like as like there probably weren't as many studies because because now they see that like you know the effect of exercise and this is still widely misunderstood by a lot of people is the effect of exercise that it actually stimulates your body's recovery process right it doesn't like it it, it is a stressor right like if if I were to say we're going to have you like do chemo but then we're also going to have you have unlimited like train really really hard like that probably wouldn't be good. But if you have a properly structured program and progression to your training, it actually your body's response to it is generally positive. So they probably just didn't have that evidence base to recommend it back then. Yeah. So after you were done with the chemotherapy and the radiation therapy, what what was the kind of the side effect that you got that happened because of that? Um, well, I mean, even after the chemotherapy, I remember because. When I, when I was done, like, well, I was still in the third grade, but the third grade, like, I was homeschooled, uh, the whole third grade, and I started going back in fourth grade, but um, I was still, like, throwing up all the time, so. Were you still going through chemo at that point? No, I wasn't. I was still, it just, I just, I just, it was just an effect, and, like, I don't know. It just took me a while to get over it. Like I didn't stop. Like I didn't stop getting nauseous to like maybe fifth, sixth grade. Wow. So that's quite a while that that lasted. Yeah. Yeah. So the other thing that I, I, I want to talk about right now is kind of the resultant hearing loss that you had from that. So can you tell me exactly kind of like how that happened and what, what caused it and what the effect of it really was? The hearing loss? Yeah. Uh, that's because that's from the radiation, um, inside, inside, like when you go, like when you go in the inner ear, you have these, like when you go all the way down, like into the brain, you have like this cell, right. And it has hairs on it. And this, well, the cells called the uh, cochlea and it has hairs on it. Okay. And what happened? So like when sound goes in your ear, um, the sound hits the cell and the hairs vibrate and it tells you what your what 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 sound is coming in here, what's saying. And what happened is the radiation deteriorated those hairs. It, it's been deteriorating them little by little. Um, so it gets it gets worse over time. 
Well, I, I happen to my left, definitely, because my left is totally deaf. I, I'm speaking to you right now because I have, and I, I actually got a cochlear implant uh, two years ago. So, yeah. and and that's uh, and that's improved your hearing since you've gotten that, right? Correct. It's, I'm still with it. I'm considered still like a moderate hearing loss, but it's it's definitely better than what it was. It's like my only way to communicate. Okay. Yeah. Like we're talking right now and like you can hear me pretty well. So, I mean, it's better than, yeah. I, I, and it seems like, cause I remember a couple of years ago, like specifically right before you got that, your hearing was really bad. Like it's definitely, Oh, happened. correct. Yes. There's definitely been an improvement since then. And I remember we were talking back and forth and you, we you were starting to like actually learn how to read lips. Cause you were saying like, I might go entirely deaf at some point. Yep. Okay, so Vinny, the next thing I wanted to talk to you about was your kind of like college university education because I understand recently you graduated and you have a, a degree now. I want you to tell me a little bit about what what your degree is in, why you pursued that field, and what exactly type of career that it sets you up for. I so, well, so it human services is it what I studied was 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 like very, it was very broad. Like you could do a lot of different things with this. It's, it's, it is we're learning about people with disabilities and like helping them, um, you know, in the in their need, like for either therapy or just like finding resources, like jobs or anything else that's needed in the economy. So the human services uh, field, what made you decide to kind of to want to go into that? Oh, because like I felt like I had my own. It was best for my not. It was best for me because I already have personal experience from it, um, which a lot of people, you know, they're not gonna they're not, they're gonna be like oh well you have personal experience uh, they, like that people people want people want knowledge and certifications so they don't really care about that but i mean i was passionate about it because of that um you know and i felt like that's what i wanted to do and i i i am kind of a people's person people being around people it does satisfy me it makes me happy and like Making a difference also does um, make me feel excitement. So, you know, I want, I want, I wanted that feeling. But yeah. I, I think it's interesting how you kind of like you come around to what you are like really like what you what appeals to you most and what you find most enjoyable and really like you're passionate about, right? Because like for me, I went to school as a business major and I graduated in. 2012 with a degree with a bachelor's in business management i worked in an office for a few years before i just i realized that like what i'm really passionate about is like fitness and training and it wasn't yeah. until like several years after that that i became a personal trainer in about at about the end of 2015 but for you i know you before you got into doing your uh, human services uh study what what were you doing before that like between high school and that point because I know, like, for, like for me personally, I I felt like, I felt like when I was in in college, 
the majority of the time I was there, I just felt like I had no freaking clue what I wanted to do. And then even after I graduated, I basically just took uh, the job that sounded the best that was in the field that I had my degree in. And that was about it. And it wasn't really until years later that I actually considered what I was passionate about. So for you, what were you, what was that like, that kind of like in between period? I uh, well, so I was, it was a bumpy road. Um, I was, First, I, I actually stayed in my high school job for a while um, because I didn't know where to go. Uh, I was a, I was a cashier at a gross, local grocery store, and um, well, you would be essential now though if you were do, still doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um, and then uh, someone I play I worked with, um, he told me about a place. Uh, he told me about an organization. Um, to, you know, help people that, um, were considered to have like a disability, uh, are considered to have a disability and like, they can help them like towards go, go towards goals and find out what they want to do, um, towards career paths. And, um, so I went, um, and at first they steered me in the wrong direction. Um, I went to this, um, training program that they uh recommended because they pay for it automatically because it's us it was a special place for people with disabilities and it didn't turn out too well and uh i don't know i i think this was like a like a godly moment because what happened was um it was a second semester i wasn't sure what the hell i was doing and then Eventually, I just went into the state where, like, I was kind of like in a seizure, but I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have, I was actually, I wasn't actually seizing, but my whole body was, I don't know, stuck in state for some reason, and uh, I was taken out, sent to a neurologist, and I never went back because I just never wanted to, I never wanted to go, and then, and then. So you, you felt uh -huh. like you were kind of there out of like you didn't really know what else what else you wanted to do so you just figured I might as well just do yeah this and, and like that place the place I was at was really bad it was really bad it was like a, it was like a prison camp kind of yeah. no seriously like people were like 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 it was it was a closed facility right and there was like and there was police there like twenty four seven um and most of some of the people there were actually like um drug addicts. So there was a lot of uh, shit going on, I would say. Um, yeah. So what what did you where did you end up after that? Well, <laughs> that what happened was, and then I and then and I didn't know what to do, and then so and then I was I was getting to, towards the age where, you know, I wasn't getting get supported by my father's insurance anymore, so I needed help. So I applied for disability so I could get some type of benefits. And uh, that took me like several tries. And then eventually I went to court uh, to uh, file for it. And um, I won. It only took like, it was, it was only like five minutes. The, the, the judge, he opened my file and he said access granted. <laughs> wow. See, that just goes to show you. My, my his, no, my history is like so big. It's like it's ridiculous. 
ridiculous. So he was he like, this, he was like, this, he, he was like, never gonna read all that. He was like, if this guy was faking this, like, uh, this wouldn't even be possible, <laughs> right? That's basically what he was saying. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. Like you're, you're the most dedicated conman in the history of the world, and you deserve it anyway if you're faking it, right? <laughs> and, and that happened is, um, that, you know, and I was still designing for two years, um, and then you know I, I eventually forced myself, and I was like, okay, there's a local college, it's a state college, so, and it's local, local, and they have campus. So I applied and I got in. And which what, what school was that? East Stroudsburg University. Okay, and is is that when you started for your your degree in uh, human services, or did you start somewhere else or with something? Yeah, else? yeah, I didn't start in generals. I just went immediately toward towards um that. Okay. The other the other the other thing is why this is so difficult too is like a lot of the people that try to go into this field they end up going to um, like a secondary school, like after, after college, after college, something after college, like they get, they get their masters and then you have to get like certifications. But like, for me, like, you know, especially, you know, cause I was on my own, I was paying, I paying my own for this stuff. And so for, for me to go to school again, just for my masters, it's just, that was just, it just put me more in depth and like, like I'm already missing the job experience, you know? So like, I'm not going to do that because I'm just, you know, go to school for another two years, come out with my master's be like, okay, now I have like more debt, right? Or more, more years of no experience. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's the unfortunate thing about the way the U S education system is, is set up. And a lot of the programs might not give you the type of, hands-on experience that you really need in a field but you know at least getting the education is helpful or it can be but when you're in school right i guess what you were saying is a lot of these programs kind of like they're designed as almost like maybe either a pre-masters or a pre-doctoral type thing like whoever does this is either going to go in to be like a doctor or get a master's degree yeah yeah gotcha so while you were you were in school uh I th- tell me about the, the the diabetes diagnosis, how that happened. That actually happened before I went to school. Um, okay. So I got, uh, so I got blood test one time and uh doctor told me, uh, I was borderline, uh, borderline. So that means like you're in danger of being coming diabetic. And, uh, I just didn't listen. I was unaware about fitness programs and, or, or starting getting into exercising and the importance. And, uh, you know, I just became, uh, diabetic. Also, I'm not going to, I don't know if this is the reason, but, um, I have, uh, it's, it's from the whole, uh, radiation therapy and chemo. I have hypothyroidism which is, uh, basically my, I'm, so it's actually the opposite. So my c- certain glands might not produce enough. And a, that's and that's a hormone, what it is. And a hormone of specific, whatever, like thyroid. Yeah. Hormone. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, so yeah. A gland might produce not, might not produce 
a certain amount of hormones. Yeah, so I think so, it's I think it's actually called like thyroid hormone, right? Isn't it? Huh? I think it's actually called like thyroid hormone, isn't it? Like your thyroid produces thyroid hormone is like the name of it, I think, right? Or maybe I'm mistaken. Well, yeah, I'm talking about like everything, like you know, like uh, serotonin, um, you know, all those all those cells, I, like. So I so serotonin I not... is like a thing in your brain, I believe. I don't know if serot does serotonin come from the thyroid. That that's the one that you produce that for like I guess that's for feeling. So if you don't produce enough or produce too much, your moods could be like yeah, like when you produce a too 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 much, that's when people get like over happy. That's when you see like bipolar people getting too happy, okay. and um. And then for the depression, they have produced enough. Right. Um, so, anyways, so I'm sorry. You ended up getting. So the... My point was that hypo. My doctor said that hypothyroidism is some is associated with diabetes. So, like, doesn't mean that because you have hypothyroidism, you get diabetes. But usually, people that have some type of thyroid, um, sim, you know, uh symptom or disease they usually have diabetes okay that makes that makes a lot of sense it's, it's kind of like you know obesity like obesity is not causative directly necessarily of diabetes although they're actually getting a lot more data that shows that in, it, it might be but it's just that mo a lot of people who do are obese do end up getting diabetes right similar correct to that. yeah yeah correct because I, I i see so many people that are obese and i'm like and it, and it gets me and it gets me upset sometimes when I'm like, you know, I'll, they, you know, they don't have diabetes, they don't have diabetes, but I mean, it's still bad for their health, but you know. Yeah, I, I understand how you could see that it, that way. It's like you you see like you you can't control like you don't have as direct control over your thyroid as especially going through everything that you've gone through as that person has over their weight, right? Right. And you're like, if this Correct. is the primary contributor, like it makes it seem like that person kind of like did it to themselves in a way, whereas you, it's like, you know, it just is something that kind of just happened to you, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so like, what was, so while you were doing, while you were diagnosed with the diabetes, and then I, I know around this time, a little bit after that is when we started, you were actually like a client of mine for a time and you started training. Correct. So how did that change or improve anything related to the diabetes or did it that actually like actually brought down my uh a1c a little bit it actually like lowered my numbers um like like i check myself in the morning i check my blood sugar and um you know it, it can make a difference between like 120 and 100. What's the normal range? Uh, you mean like what's my normal range or what's the normal range? What, well, let's do both. What's the, what's your normal range and then what's the nor the normal range? Well, my, my range, my normal range should be about between 100 and 120 in the morning. Okay. Um. So what's like a normal range for, that they consider is like... Not for diabetic. people that aren't diabetic, yeah. For people that aren't diabetic, you start at like your sugar should start at like fifty or something. It's okay. it's really low. It's really low. Okay, so are you talking but, like this was when when you would 
trained, you would chronically see your blood sugar was closer to around 100? Or was it just you're saying like on days that you trained, the blood sugar would be better? Repeat that again. I'm sorry. You confused so, me. So, yeah, it's okay. So on, would, would you say, you said that like when you were training, your blood sugar was like one, it was closer to 100, right? Like the lower end of that range or whatever the A1 number is. I don't know if that's your blood sugar, but that was closer to 100. Was that like on days that you were training or is it just that like chronically your blood sugar was lower from the cumulative effect of training? From the effect of training. Cause like I didn't like, like even yeah, checking on the days that I didn't actually go out and train for that day. So yeah. I would say overall. Okay. And then after you stopped training, did you see it go back up a little bit? Um, yes. Okay. So wh where are you at bit. now? Okay. So, uh, I'd like to go in, um, other numbers, uh, as far as A1C is, which is like your overall, I guess, uh, level, um, six, it's at 6.5. Which is good because because of you know because of the exercising and watching out what you know counting my carbs, um, yeah I went from a seven point five, which is pretty high because uh, I think yeah eight eight is kind of dangerous eight is I think eight would be actually like yeah it's pretty high it's that's high. So I was at 7.5. Uh, I, I went down to a 6.5. So right. I would say that, it, you know, it, I did a good job. Uh, my, my, even my um, endocrine center did a good job. So, you know, I mean, she wants me to go a little, she wants me to go lower, but hey, I mean, pretty good. you can always go lower. And I always get this with, with weight loss and stuff with clients. It's like, I mean, Hey, if you're 300 pounds and you get your weight to like 250, it's like, I mean, yeah, you could go lower, but it's like your 250 is way better than 300, right? It's like you've yeah. made progress. And like, if you stay there, you're going to be better off most likely than you were at the higher number. So where, where do you, uh, where are you at right now in terms of like your, your nutrition? Like, how are you eating? How are you training? Stuff like that. All right. Um, Nutrition is, is, I mean, like right now it's really hard because, well, I'm, it's, 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 I mean, it is the same with the, with the COVID going on right now, but like, see the thing is like, I, I want to try to get like, I, I don't mind, like, I mean, I got my fruits, I get my fruits, fruits are okay, but like, cause I get like, sometimes I get the frozen fruits, I get the frozen fruits, but like produce is I'm kind of in right now, like I get the salads in the bags, but I don't want to get the pro. I don't want to get the pro. The other produce because uh, like I don't know. Like this, I get scared with all the stuff that's going on. You yeah, know? you don't. You don't want anybody having touched that. I guess in the store, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um. So and besides that, besides that, um, I just watch my carbs. Like at first, I had a you know more carb count. Like like I actually had a booklet where it's like it tells you like you look up like a specific food and it tells you like how many carbs are in it or how many like 
what portion size would consume that many carbs and um yeah yeah because all carbs are not created equal like i remember one of the things because when we were training i was obviously aware of your the diabetic issue one of the things that i remember us talking about was that you know all carbs are not created equal and i'm not a certified uh, like diabetic specialist or anything like that but right. i i think i directed you to like a, the american diabetes association or something like that and i was like well here's here's the recommendations and here's what here's what it is about like it's not like you can't have any carbs or it's not like you can only have this amount of carbs it's that each carbohydrate each different one kind of affects you a little bit differently based yeah, on and the it's group. confusing because the the doctor says my endocrine the doctor says oh carbs are carbs are just carbs so like so if you're carb counting if you're carb counting it's just it doesn't matter what the carb is he's like as long as you're like i'm allowed i'm allowed 60 carbs per meal that's actually a lot like 60 grams of carbs per meal is a lot like i don't think i even eat that much on a lot of meals that's a pretty high number like 60 grams of 60 grams you're talking about right or 60 cal are you talking about 60 calories in carbs or 60 grams of carbs 60 grams of carbs okay so 60 grams of carbs so like if you 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 were look back at the, so if you were looking at the back of the label just look at the total carbohydrate yeah so so far i can look at my 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 calorie log actually uh so far today i've only had 54 carbs today and it's like 1 p.m. So I don't even. Okay. So I don't think that's actually like a super restrictive carb intake, but at the same time, like you said, when you count the carbs, like what matters is the number of grams. But different carbohydrates sources, like for example, if I have like a pound of potatoes versus a pound of like you know sugar, the sugar is going to have more grams of carbohydrates than the potatoes, obviously, right? Um, I would say yes, because when, when you're dealing with sugar, um, the sugar plus its carbs equals total carb, sugar plus carbohydrates equals total carbohydrates. So when you look at the back of, let's say a cereal, okay, say cereal has 10 grams of sugar, okay, you look at the total carbohydrates, the sugar is in those total carbohydrates. Exactly. So if it says like 50, 50 is the total carbohydrates, right? And it says like 30 grams of sugar. That means that there's 30 grams of sugar and 20 grams of other carbohydrates. Right. Yeah. I got what you're saying. This is something I've never done on this podcast before, but I want to go through and like as we're talking here, I want to develop a weightlifting program for you as we do this podcast, I actually want to develop a program for you right now, like going back and forth. Okay. Based on the equipment right. you have available. Sound good to you? Yeah. 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 Okay. Sorry. Perfect. So the first thing I want to do is I want to ask you, so tell me the, the equipment that you have available. Um, I have a um, piece of equipment in the garage called the BioForce. It's basically like a Bowflex. The only difference is instead of weight, it uses pressure. So yeah, like I could set it up in the squats, um, chest press. Gotcha. So you have, what? Do you have anything else besides that? Do you have any weights? Any like bands? Any medicine no, I balls? Don't. Any, I don't. You don't even. Have, you don't have any dumbbells. Nothing like that. I have like two dumbbells, but I only have like ten pounds on them. Okay, so ten pound dumbbells. That'll still be useful for something. 
so Vinny, what do you what are you weighing about right now? I'm like struggling between like 130 and 127. 130. That's that's pretty light. I remember you were up to like almost 150 at one point when we were training. Uh, I think so. But you know, I was at that that time I was at school. So like every time I went in to eat, I was like totally racking up. Yeah, but you were like I had like a cafeteria, so I could just grab anything. But I remember you were at like 140, and you were you were you were squatting like 135 for sets of five. Like you were bench pressing like one 110, 115. You were deadlifting. Yeah, you were deadlifting like up to 200 pounds at one point. Like you were doing pretty good. Um, yeah. I so, mean, the last time I've been to the gym, it wasn't that bad. I had um. Yeah, I, I squatted like 145. That's pretty good. So, I think that's my one too. So based on what you have, so how many days do you think that you can resistance train a week realistically? I try to do it every. I try to do it every other day. Like, um, like if I do a Monday, then next day will be a Wednesday. Okay. So, would would a four day a week program work good for you? Four day, yeah. Okay, so four day per week program. We'll come up with a four day per week program. Okay. So the next thing that I would I would say is like, okay, what are your goals? Like, what do you want to achieve through this training? Um, more coordination. Uh, you know, ever since this COVID happened and everybody stood at home, and uh, I I kind of lost it a little bit. I can you know kind of get get that back. Um, what what specifically does that look like? Like, what specifically do you mean? Because some people, when they say improve coordination, that means, like, you know, they're a football player and they need to be more coordinated running, you know, plays or, like, catching the ball. Or someone else, it's like, you know. For for me, uh, I guess it would be, like, you know, um, like, you know, my posture, walking straight. um, You know, because sometimes, like, you know, when I'm walking – I get a little, I, I get a little off balance or dizzy, and it's kind of like, oh, I, I'll trip on myself a little bit, but you know, I always catch my fall. But you know what's funny is my, my wife Juliet always used to tell me that like I walk like that. She was like, you kind of walk like weird, like crooked or sideways. But it's funny because I, I actually like taught myself to walk like much straighter when I had to like walk next to her all the time, and she was like, you don't walk like that anymore. So some, I don't know. I feel like sometimes it's like you just have these habits that you you build up for sometimes that you just don't even know about. And that might not necessarily, cause I'm like, how would we program this into an exercise program? If we want to improve it, we're like, what are the components of coordination and how can we break down and improve on those? So one of them is like one component of like any fitness adaptation is, is, is strength, right? That's why I'm like the basis of any program you have is going to be strength because if you, that's the basis. Yeah. Yeah. If you develop like a high level of strength, like you have better potential for developing everything else. That's why like, you know, most, Uh, sporting organizations most sports teams have a strength and conditioning coach so that would be the first step is i'm like let's let's try and just build you a little bit of muscle then we could also get to doing stuff like maybe some like some balance and coordination training like i could even have you do stuff like one-legged squats i could have you do like one single leg touchdowns uh like golfer golf deadlifts if you ever heard what those are it's like a single leg deadlift with a dumbbell uh we could have you do like you know there's a variety of different exercises we can program there to improve on that so are there any other goals that you have besides improving your coordination? Let's get to that. I, I, I would want strength to be one of them. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I, like, I don't want to be a weak. That, that's, that's kind of been a fear of mine, you know, because like back when we were talking about like the cancer and the throwing up, you know, I, I remember being like, 
being like I fatigue and you know I guess because because of that like uh, I always I'm, I'm I'm you know it's a fear of mine to be like weak or like lose too much weight so yeah well, I think like, I mean, you're telling me, you, I mean, you could squat 145 for reps, you know, and, and whenever I saw you squat, like you were squatting to death. This aren't, we're not talking about like quarter squats. We're talking about full range of motion squats here. And like for a guy who's like, you know, you're not like a big guy. You're like, you know, like you said, you're generally between 130 and 150. You're about what, five, five, three ish. Yeah. Yeah. So for, for that, I mean, I think you're, we can definitely work on improving that strength, but I don't think you're right now you're in in fear of that. Uh, but it is a good idea as you go forward, because as you get older, your body does tend to, if you're not actually training to maintain or build strength, your body just tends to kind of go the other way. It tends to just like you lose strength and you lose muscle as you age. And I know as, as someone who's like, you just turned 30, you're, you're 30, right? Like that's, you're still pretty young. We're all, we're, we're both still yeah, pretty yeah, young. Yeah. It's not yeah. really like, you're not really worried about getting immobile right now, but the more that you set yourself up for being strong and being fit as you age, the better you'll be when you get to be like 40, 50, 60, and it actually starts deteriorating. Right. Is there anything else besides, so we have improved strength, we want to improve balance. Is there anything else? Well, muscles, because, um, you know, I like to expand a little bit, you know, so like, I'm always going to be a skinny guy. I'm always going to be a skinny guy. I know that, but like, if I can get a little more form, you know, that'd be, that'd be nice. Okay. So three goals in order of importance, improve coordination, improve strength and build muscle. So what I would probably do, as I was saying before, because usually like strength is like the biggest, most basic thing that you can do that will give you, because strength is correlated with increased muscle mass, right? Like strength gives you a, it gives you a good base to build muscle off of. Strength gives you a good base to build like any kind of athletic thing. And I also feel like all of that will like lead to coordination too. You know what I'm saying? Because of, like, if I have more strength, I'll be able to like hold my balance, you know? Right. Like, like one of the things I now have is like, like when I squat, I try to plant my, I try to plant my feet as much as possible, but like, you know, sometimes I have a little trouble holding it down, holding the, holding it down. And it's like, I kind of want to wobble, when I'm squatting, but you know, I'm, you know. Yeah, and I, and I know that. this. I know this specifically because I've had, I've saw this. Like you, when you sent me training footage, like because being, you know, you're not a huge guy, right? And you're not like you do have a bit of a coordination issue sometimes. And I've I saw this when you sent me training footage. Is sometimes people would like run up on you as you're training like thinking you don't know what you're doing, right? And like, and kind of like, grab yeah. The bar. yeah, I saw that happen multiple times in your training videos. And like, I think that's just completely stupid. Like when people do that, because it's like, you, you, yeah, don't, you don't know that person's condition. So you don't even know what the hell's happening. Exactly. Like it's it, to anyone who's listening to the podcast. Like that's just such a no, no to like run up on someone and like grab the bar when they're doing, unless they're like pinned under the bar and they're bench pressing, right? Like that's different. But like, I'm saying if you just see someone like, and you don't think they're doing an exercise properly, like, you, you you have no idea what that person's experience is. You have no idea what exercise they're trying to do. You have no idea what modification or what variation is going on. Like, it's just, you're way out of your, you got to stay in your lane and you're way out of it right now. Yeah. And, and, it, and, 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 um, yeah, like I remember like when people, when some, one time when, when some, somebody ran up to me and I had the thing and I had the barbell on my back, you know, for squatting, the guy ran up to me and I'm like, 
and I, I, I freaking went back and I re-racked it and I was like, and, and I, I was like, dude, I'm, I'm fucking working out here. Like, you know, you can't, I'm like, you can't do that, bro. You can't do that. You probably squat better than he does. He probably doesn't even, he probably quarter squats. <laughs> you probably squat deeper than he does. Right. Like that's the problem is like, and I've, I've seen this a lot, like specifically with like my female clients, when they send me footage uh, training footage and they're at the gym they're, like they have guys coming up to them and telling them like oh let me let me show you how to do and I think like you just gotta these guys just gotta check their ego and stop doing this because it's not helpful to anyone it's making them look like a jackass I mean when I when, when I used to when when you know before what's happened when the the, the, the local gym was open um that that, that that didn't happen a lot but but when, when I because when I was training I was out of college I was out of college and I don't know why everybody, everybody in college is like, just fucking stupid. (laughs) And and like, they just want to, they all want to show, they all want to show off, I guess, to make themselves look smart or important. And that's what they do. Yeah. I mean, and I get it. I was in like the worst environment. I mean, I get it. Like when you're in in college in the first, you know, because I was, I kind of thought this too, like you think you know more than you do. You're learning like all this new stuff and it's like all this information. And like, even if you just start going to the gym for a few years and you're, you're starting to see progress and you think you know everything. And like when you, in reality, you only know like a very small speck of what there is to actually know. And you just get like, but here's the, here's the thing. And this is why I never do this, especially now. Like the more I know, the less I would ever consider doing something like this is because I know that I only know this much, even though I might know like a hundred times more than that bro who's interrupting you and thinking he knows everything. I still know very little in terms of the overall picture. So you're just, you're not being helpful with doing that. And you're, you're making yourself look like a jackass. <laughs> so I remember even like, even like in the cafeteria, uh, one time I ordered, uh, it was like a wrap with beans and, and chicken or whatever. And this guy, he just, um, he 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 knows he knew me from the gym and he he just takes like his like yeah a whole plate of like chick, gr- some grilled chicken or some shit and he like he like he like just plops down in front of me he's like bro look what I eat and I'm like what? that's a good one <laughs> now you're gonna tell me how to eat too like <laughs> yeah people these people people are just too they're too too self important sometimes. But if I were to, to kind of circle back around and put an, uh, a bow on, on what we're do, going to do for your training. So after this, I'm going to kind of go through everything and actually develop a full-fledged training program for you. We're going to do four days a week, basis on st- stabilization, balance, and strength, and then also add in some extra muscle building exercises in there. So what that would usually look like is I would probably put you on a – I would probably put you with starting out with like compound exercises where we try and progress weight. And then I would probably then go on to like some balance exercises where we, we then do like, like I was saying, like single leg stuff and stuff that like challenges that. And then so we can improve upon it. And then the last thing I would do is I'd probably just do some general purpose, like muscle building stuff, like curls, uh, overhead press, like shoulder stuff, and maybe a little bit of ab work to end it out there. Sounds good to you. Yep. All right, man. And what do you, what do you think about an hour, an hour long for a workout? Does that sound good? Yeah. Sounds good. Perfect. I'll put it together and you know, it's going to be a couple of weeks before this podcast actually gets out. So maybe I'll release, maybe I'll actually turn this into a program and release it with the podcast, like for free for like a bunch of people or make it like a okay. down, a download. Yeah. So that's good. Uh, I'll be like, it'll be the Vinnie Bono uh, strength and balance program. <laughs>
Vinny, if, if we were to put a, a bow on the podcast, what is, what are your plans going forward? What do you want to achieve through training? Are you going to eliminate the? Are you going to terminate the diabetes, Vinny? Is that what the plan is? <laughs> Well, but here's the thing, though. Diabetes is never going to go away. Like, you're always going to be diabetic. Um, well, I'm going always going to be diabetic. I mean, anybody who has diabetes is always going to be diabetic. However, the best thing you can do is, like, you lower your A1C. I'm going to get down to a 5. I'm going to get down from 6.5 to, like, at least 5 or 5.5. So, you know, I'm in kind of a safe zone. But, like, I'm still going to be diabetic, so I still have to watch and, and like, you know, keep up. Um, but you know, getting there feels good. Um, and how are you going to do that? Well, I mean, like, it's like, like the, the uh, dietitians, I mean, um, my, uh, endocrine always says it's just, it's really just diet and exercise. That's all you can do. And, Oh, uh, I want to get off my medication. I want to get off the medication, you know? Um, well, one or two less pills to, take you know and that's that's pretty good what medication are you taking um i'm taking two actually um i'm taking metformin and uh it's another one called trunivia trunivia the goal is to get off that and you're going to do it through nutrition and exercise and i think Vinny, the biggest thing if i were to just give one tip Vinny, it's progression it's not like there's this gold standard of like, this is exercise, this is nutrition, this is what I got to do. It's like, what am I doing right now? How could I slowly improve it over time? And like you said, if you're if you're going to have diabetes for, forever, like doing that progression and integrating it into your lifestyle, that's what's going to give you long-term success. Right. Yeah, so I guess that was that's well, that's the podcast, man. Thanks so much for, for coming on. I think we talked about a lot you're of great welcome. topics. Is there anything you want to say in closing? To tell the good people of the America, Canada, and wherever else they're listening to this? Keep calm and stay home. Stay home. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sounds good to me. Thanks for coming on, Vinny. Thank you for listening to Episode 11 of Strength for All. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Vincenzo Bono. I am Jonathan Reposh, a.k.a. Johnny Reps Fitness. Make sure to follow me on Instagram at J-O-N-N-Y underscore R-E-P-S underscore fitness. Also, leave me a five-star review on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to this on. I really appreciate it. Tune in next week for episode 12.